Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We're going to dismiss our children at Children's Church and Children's Choir at this time. And I also noticed that uh, Susie had a flyer about Vacation Bible Adventure in the bulletin today. And we are in the process of recruiting help for that. So if you're interested in helping this summer with that ministry, be sure and uh, let us know that. That's a good question that uh, Kevin asked us this morning to consider. What, what, what would you ask? What would you ask God? I was thinking about all the, some of the deep theological issues that come up you'd like to ask God to explain. And, um, but at some point, I think maybe for all of us too, uh, might be the question, why were you so good to me? Why were you, why, why, why us? Why me? Why, why did you do this? Why were you so good to us? What a, thank you. What a great God. How we serve. What a wonderful Lord we serve. And, um, that is, you know, it's true. We are all, we are all going to be with the Lord, with our friends, with our loved ones. If we know Jesus Christ as our Savior and every time that we meet, uh, for church on Sunday morning, we want to make sure that no one ever leaves this place without hearing that God loves you so much. God loves you so much, and God wants you to be part of His family. And as we come toward Easter season, we'll be celebrating uh, Good Friday and uh, Easter together here coming up this, this month, of course, that uh, we want you to uh, just remember to invite someone. And if you're here today and you do not know Christ as Savior, to remember that Christ came to this earth to die on the cross to pay for my sin and to pay for your sin and offer you freely, not, not anything you have to do, but freely offers you forgiveness for sins and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I would just encourage you, if you have any questions about that, talk to Have you seen the three pastors up here today? We would love to talk with you. Just uh, pull us aside and talk with us. We'd pray with you. We want to make sure that all of you here today if you've made that choice to receive God's forgiveness for your sins. And we're going to open the book, our Bibles of Philippians this morning, chapter 1. And we're going to continue to talk about this wonderful message. And also on the other side of it, one of the questions that at some point, um, this, wouldn't be my, this wouldn't be my first question, Kevin, but somewhere down the road, um, I'd like to inquire about something in this passage today with the Lord. Uh, I'd like to ask the Apostle Paul, um, why did you write this? Uh, because this is a passage that perplexes a lot of people. A lot, a lot of people given thought to this as to what exactly is going on here and why did Paul, why would he, why would he say this? And we're going to look at this this morning in chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather today. And we thank you for our young people and children that have a chance to uh, learn and be a part of this fellowship and to serve as well. We pray for our children as they have been dismissed now, that as they meet together, that you'll speak through their leaders as they share their lives and their love with them and share the word of God. We thank you for our youth, Lord, and just for their enthusiasm and their joy, having them in our part of our family, part of our ministry. And we ask your blessing on them. We ask your blessing on everyone here today. And for those who couldn't be here, there are many today who are not able to be here. They would love to be here, but they just are not able. We pray your blessing on them. May they know that we are thinking of them and that they are part of this church family no matter what the situation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to begin today 
at verse 12. And I want you to remember the context. This is called a prison epistle because it's one of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote while he was in prison. We don't know exactly other than that he was under what we call house arrest, but he is chained to a Roman soldier. He is under arrest. He's not in the dungeon, but he is in prison. He's under arrest. And you know, at the end of Paul's life, he basically spends five years in Roman confinement. We often think of the two years at the end of the book of Acts where it says Paul continued as he was in prison in Rome, teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. It tells us at the very end of the book of Acts. But remember, for two years previous to that, he was held in Caesarea in a Roman prison. And then we take the time to travel by boat and with the shipwreck and everything to Rome. It could have been close to five years of his life. I mean, think of it. Here's the apostle who is who who has been given this call to to take the gospel to the Gentile world and all the places he wants to go and all the things he needs to do. You can see it, Derek. Derek's here today. Amen. <laughs> all right. Good to see you. Lord bless you. Good to see you. Doing good. Amen. Good to see you, Derek. I didn't spot you earlier, but uh, good to see you. It's kind of hard not to see you, but you know. <laughs> Great. Amen. Good, 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 good. Why five years? Well, let's look at this passage here. Paul says this, verse 12. Now I want you to know Philippians. He's writing from, he's writing from Rome back to the church at Philippi, the church that he helped found and establish. Also, Donna Lowe's here today. Donna, good to see you today as well. I see you back there. My goodness. What a, what a good day. Have people back that have been, have, haven't been doing well physically. It's great to see you. Wow, anybody else to see? Anybody <laughs> over here on this side that I haven't seen for a while? Okay. All right, praise the Lord. It's good to be together. It's good to have, have, have you here, and we've been praying for one another. Okay, I'm going to get this sermon eventually. All right, verse, verse 12. <laughs> now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being in prison, has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. Now, the first week we did this study, we talked about that this this has the characteristics of what we call a friendship letter in the in the Greek Roman world. We talked about that. I gave some of the illustrations of how. Remember, this is a letter. I hope you've taken time to just read the letter in one setting as a, as a letter that Paul wrote. It's an epistle. It's a letter. It has the qualities of a of a friendship letter. It's a very warm letter. It's a letter that, that even, he doesn't even call himself, you know, an apostle. He doesn't have to. He has this kind of relationship with these people. And one of the marks, remember, of a friendship letter is they would tell the recipients how they are doing. And this is where Paul addresses this. He says, I want you to know how I'm doing now because I know you're concerned about me. I know that you're, you're worried. I, I'm, I'm in prison. I'm under arrest. Um, we, we don't, you know, the, the, the Romans are holding Paul. They're not really sure why they're holding Paul, frankly. If you, if you read what happens at the end of the book of Acts, it's sort of like, you know, they say, if, if this man had not appealed to Caesar, he could have gone free. We, we have really no reason to hold him. But he appealed to Caesar, so off to Caesar he went. They were glad to get rid of him and, uh, and any trouble that they, he could have caused. At this point, the Christian, the Christian faith, the Christian religion is beginning to be seen as a not a legitimate religion in the Roman Empire because they do not worship the emperor. Only Jews are excluded from that. And as it becomes to become identified as its own faith, its own religion, they are no longer under the umbrella of Judaism, 
this would be the charge against Paul. It's sedition, really, against the state. Um, and, that's, and this would be the only charge they really could hold him on. But Paul says, I want you to know how I'm doing. I want you to know this. Um, I got a, we got a nice uh, prayer letter this week from uh, Givemore and his, and his family and had a chance to read that prayer letter. We've been praying for Jay Nathan, right? Um, the little guy with leukemia and so forth. But, but to take time, I hope, hope you take time to read these missionary letters when you get them and to get, be encouraged when they write and say, hey, we want to tell you how we're doing. We want you to know how we're doing. And here's what God is doing. So this is what Paul says. I want you to know what's happening. What's happening is because I am in prison, this has happened to really serve to advance the gospel. I want you to know what's going on. Three, three times in this letter, in this chapter, 13, 14, and 17, Paul reminds him that he is in chains. When he talks, when our translation is translated imprisonment in the Greek, it's I'm in chains. So he is chained to a Roman guard. He is not free to leave. He is chained to a Roman guard. Three times he reminds him of this. But he says, I want you to know that these things that have, and it's interesting in the Greek languages, these things that have been dominating me, these things that have been dominating me, in other words, this imprisonment, this is my whole life, I'm in prison. You know, it's a shameful thing in some ways for Paul, for, for some to say, well, man, our, he's in prison, you know, and he's, the, he's supposed to be leading this, you know, movement of, of establishing churches, and he's in prison. And Paul says, this thing is dominating me. I want you to know, actually, friends, Philippians, has turned out to advance the gospel. It's doing the exact opposite of what you might think and what the Romans might think. Actually, they're helping because my imprisonment is helping to advance the gospel. I wonder at times if, if Paul wasn't, if he would like to ask God, well, why do you have me in prison? Why five years? You know, I've, I've traveled three missionary journeys. We've planted churches. We, we're trying to help them grow. I've been training people. Why do you have me in prison for five years? Why did you call me for this? Why not let me go out and minister and, and, and freely do these things? I wonder if there were times that, that Paul felt like asking God that. But he says at this point, he says, you know, I want you to know that the gospel is advancing because of this. The word here has the idea of, actually the word comes from to cut before. And when the Roman army would, would travel, there would be a, a group called timber cutters. And the timber cutters were the ones who cut the trees to make the path or the shrubs or anything else when they had to advance in an area where there was no road or, or established path, you know, for a thousand soldiers. And so the timber cutters would go first and they would advance and they would cut the, the, the timbers and clear the way. This is the word that he used here, that we are cutting the timbers. It's moving ahead. It's advancing. God is using me in prison to do this. Why? So the gospel can move forward. I want you to know, verse 12, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. How has this happened? How has the gospel been advanced by Paul in prison? And he, and he tells us specifically. As a result, here's the first thing. Here's how the gospel is advancing. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So one of the ways that the gospel is advancing is, Paul says, I am having an opportunity myself to evangelize, to share the gospel, to witness. I would never have had, if I were not in prison, I would never have had access to Caesar's household. I would never have had access to the praetorium, 
These, the word here that, that's used here for the, these guards of Praetorium in Rome, these are Caesar's elite soldiers. These are the top. These are, these are the secret service. You know, these are the top guys. And he says, when would Paul ever have had a chance to witness to Caesar's household? When would he ever have a chance to witness to, to, these, to these top military guards? I mean, he's chained to them. He is chained to these guys. I wonder if, you know, I mean, these guys heard more than they ever wanted to hear probably, right? I mean, if you were chained to the Apostle Paul, what are you going to hear about? I mean, you know, and you can't get away either, right? You don't have a choice either. And, and Paul says, listen, the gospel's advancing. And, and we know that people came to Christ because, look at, move ahead for just a second to chapter 4. And look at chapter 4 as we come to the end of this. In verse, at the very end, we'll look at this at the end of our study. Verse 22. He says to the Philippians, all the saints here in Rome send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Members of the household of the Roman emperor, the most powerful man on earth, have come to faith in Christ. We don't know who they are. Were they servants? Were they family members? Were they children? Were they siblings? We don't know. But he tells us, because I am here and I've been able to witness and share the gospel, soldiers are here and I assume are coming to Christ. And in fact, even people in Caesar's own household are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. No wonder, Paul says, what's happened here, we're cutting the timbers. We're paving the road for what God's going to do. And it's because he's put me in prison. Secondly, notice what he says. Because of my chains, there's the word chains again. Now, at the end of verse 13, I am in chains. Verse 17, because of my chains. So we know Paul is talking about, he is literally chained to Roman guards. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord, and, we, and I just want to you know, remind you, of course, as we know today, in your newer translations, it'll say brothers and sisters. And the reason for that is we know that this term in that era was used for brothers and sisters, right? He's not just talking to men. We know that. And so that's why the newer translations say that. And, and that's appropriate because that's the idea. Brothers and sisters. Listen, friends, household of faith. Because of this, most of the brothers, and we could say sisters, in the Lord, they have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. I mean, you get the character of this apostle, the character of this apostle that, 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 that he says, you know what, this is not fun. I don't think Paul's saying, boy, this isn't great to be in jail. Isn't it great to be in prison? You know, all things work together. Hallelujah. I love being here. No, but he says, in spite of this, I want you to know, Philippians, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And the reason I'm okay is because <laughs> yes, he's back. <laughs> and because the gospel is going out, even Caesar's household. And in fact, the Christians in Rome, as you come to the end of the book of Romans, chapter 15 and 16, of all Paul's epistles, you have the longest list of all these people, men and women, who have served with him in the gospel. You have this huge list of people in Rome. Remember, the book of Romans is written to the church where he's at now, in Rome, in prison. Paul did not found this church, remember. Paul didn't establish this church. This is one of the few epistles, um, Colossians as well, 
that Paul didn't found the church, but the Colossian church was probably founded by the Ephesian church and people there. He didn't found the church in Rome. Remember Aquila and Priscilla when they came? We read that in, in, in the book, and we looked earlier in our previous study. When Aquila and Priscilla came as believers, they came from Rome. There was a church in Rome before Paul got there. He writes the letter to the Romans. Uh, he had not been there. He said, I hope, I hope to come to you soon, but he had not been there. And there was a flourishing Christian church or churches in the city of Rome. And, and Paul says the people there now, these believers, all these men and women that you read about in the end of the Romans, they are even bolder. They are more encouraged. They are out spreading the gospel in ways I couldn't do. So listen, Philippians, it's okay. I just want you to know. I, I'm hoping to get out soon. He said, he tells us, I want to come to you soon. But meanwhile, I know you're worried about me. I just want you to know it's okay. And I think that's an encouragement to us today, friends, that, that you know, your life and, and the things that you go through can be an encouragement to other people. I mean, there may be people, thanks, Gary, go out there and clap your hands, okay? That's all you got to do. Go out there and go like that, and the woodpecker will leave, okay? That uh, your, your life would, would be an encouragement to others. Just think, there may be people who are saved for eternity because someone saw something in your life and it encouraged them to share with another person that you'll never meet. This is how the gospel works. And God is at work. And Paul says, listen, I am, I am encouraged. People are coming to faith in, in the household of Caesar. Roman soldiers are coming to faith. Praetorium guard are hearing the gospel. Brothers and sisters in Rome are, are being bold and courageous. And they're stepping out like they never would because of what has happened to me. And God does the same thing today. I, I see this when I go visit uh, people and spend time with people and, and, and see the things that God is allowing in your life. God is bringing in your life. And I see how, how you respond and we see how God is, is courageous, how you can be courageous and encouragement to other people. Now, this is the next portion here. So listen, friends, take heart. Confidence and boldness. Evangelism was Paul's mission and God is accomplishing it. God is accomplishing it. Now, the second, this is the passage here that really is very perplexing to some to some degree when you when you read when you read some of the commentaries about this look what paul says here now remember the context is the brothers and sisters who are sharing the gospel that's the context notice what he says in verse 15 it is true that some of those brothers and sisters preach christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill. Now it's the same context. He's talking about the same group of people he's just referred to. He says, I just want you to know that, some, however, some of those who are preaching, they're doing it, pre they're preaching Christ. You notice they're preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry. Well, others are doing it from the right motives. The later, that is, those doing it from the right motives, they do so in love knowing I am put here for the defense of the gospel. But the former, the ones doing that out of envy and rivalry, they are preaching, they are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Now, as you read Paul's epistles, you will find plenty of times 
where Paul talks about those who are opposing the gospel. I mean, you'll look, look at, look at verse 28 of the same chapter. He says, I don't want you to be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Now look at, this is a sign to them. They will be destroyed, but you will be saved. Those, you see those kind of things throughout Paul's letters. Where he talks about, for example, we, we talk about the, what we call the Judaizers. The Judaizers were people who came from Jerusalem, Jews who followed Paul's ministry and tried to, to subvert it by saying, yeah, faith in Christ is fine, but you also got to keep the Mosaic law. If you want to be saved, you have to keep the works of the Mosaic law. And, and, and Paul calls them to task. And, and some of them he calls enemies of the cross. And there are others who, who he, you know, we saw in Timothy that the, 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 the laborer, the man who, who caused me much harm, God will repay, God will take care. We see plenty of times in Paul's epistles where he, he takes to task those who are opposing the gospel. But in this case, what does he say? He says, listen, people are being encouraged to preach the gospel. Some of them are doing it and it's relational. I want you to notice the relational part of it. Some of them are doing it because they are with me. They've taken courage and, and they're trying to continue the ministry God has given us to do. And, and they, are, they are with me. They are supporting and they are moving out and, pray, and, and, and praise the Lord. They, the motives are right. He says others of them are preaching the gospel out of selfish ambition and envy. And when you get to Galatians chapter 5 where we talk about the fruit of the Spirit... The qualities that are listed before the fruit of the Spirit that are really bad, and you read them, it's a really disgusting list. What Two of them are envy and jealousy. Now, question, how can Paul say this? How can Paul say, it's okay? They're preaching out of envy and jealousy, but it's okay. In fact, I'm blessed because the gospel is going out. Well, all I can say is, this is a little perplexing. It's just a little unusual. Let's put it that way, okay? And I, I guess what we can say is this. These people must be believers in Jesus Christ. These are not enemies of the cross. These are not people trying to destroy the Christian church. They are people in Rome who are being encouraged by Paul's imprisonment to preach the gospel, but their real motivation is relational to, to kick Paul while he's down, and, and to do him disservice, personally. We don't know why or who. We just don't know. We can surmise. I, I've surmised a little bit. I can tell you what, my, what I surmise a little bit. But I would, I, that's all I can say is I'm surmising. I don't know. All I know is it's happening. But they are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I, I think there is this tension in, in Rome. We know from the book of Romans there is this tension between Jews and Gentiles over eating of meats, special things like that, causing offense to brothers and sisters because of what you do. And, you know, there could be those who are, who, who are just saying, look it, he's in prison because God's punishing him. I mean, we hear this all the time, don't we? Well, I know why this is happening too, because God's punishing you. You don't know why that's happening to somebody. Be careful. Don't ever say that. Don't ever tell somebody you know why something bad has happened. You don't know why. Maybe they're saying, you know, look at he's in prison because of what he's because he's off track on this area. So let's let me tell you the truth. Let's we're preaching the gospel, but let me make this clear and, and understand why Paul is wrong. 
Maybe there are those who are just simply jealous. There, you know, there's a human element in, in ministry of jealousy. I mean, it's, that's a human element. And, and, and maybe there are those who are just jealous and finally Paul is contained and they can, they can get some recognition that they feel they deserve. I, whatever it is, whatever it is, they are people who are members of the household of faith who out of bad motives combined with preaching the gospel, the gospel is going forth. And Paul says, Philippians, don't worry about it. It's okay. Maybe, maybe they've heard about this. Maybe they've heard about these tensions in the Roman church. Maybe they've heard about some splits in the Roman church. Maybe they've heard about how people are treating each other in the Roman church. And they're concerned for Paul. Paul says, it's okay. It's okay. He doesn't say it's good. He doesn't say, that's okay, just keep on doing that. He doesn't excuse it. But the reality is this. The gospel is going forth. And the emphasis, when all is said and done, friends, it's the power of the message of the gospel, not the messenger. That's where the power is. It's irresistible. It's irresistible. We know in the the book of Isaiah, my word shall not return void. It's irresistible. Paul's response, look at his response. This, this is amazing. This is a question. You know, Paul, how, how could you say this? Verse 18, what does it matter? It doesn't matter. It's okay. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether they're from false motives or true motives, these are within the household of faith, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. How could he say that? Could you say that if if somebody if you know could I say that if, if somebody is persecuting me if somebody is is putting me down if somebody's kicking me when I'm down could I just say well it's okay I'm 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 rejoicing because gospel why because the gospel is going forth I mean you see the character of this apostle this evangelist Paul's call was to mission work remember when Paul was called remember what he was told. Ananias, when he went to commission Paul, and he says, listen, the Lord said, Ananias, you go and, 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 and talk, let him come and talk to him. I know, who I'm, I know who it is. Yes, I know it's Saul of Tarsus, but I want you to know, I must show him all things he must suffer for the gospel's sake. I wonder when, I wonder when Paul heard that, if it occurred to him, some of that suffering would come from brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. You think that occurred to him? that I'm going to suffer and some of us can come from the family of God. And the reality is it does. But the apostle Paul understands when all is said and done, and this is so important, friends, this, this is so important for us. And there's maybe, maybe some of you here that uh, maybe, maybe God's calling you to ministry. We, we talk about full-time Christian ministry. Our church has a history of, of, um, we have many people from our church family who are, who are serving around the world in mission work, uh, president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, president of our college, pastors, teachers, leaders around the world. We're all called to Christian work. Don't get me wrong. You are a full-time Christian, okay? For those who are called into what we call Christian full-time ministry, pastoral, mission, uh, parachurch ministry, 
please remember, if God's calling you to that, what matters is not you. What matters is the gospel. I don't matter. You know, and, and, and there's nobody has been in the ministry. I've been very blessed in this church and both churches I worked in. I've been, I've been very blessed. I say, God, why are you so good to me? I've been very blessed. But you're going to be in ministry. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be criticism. There will be those, there will be church splits. There will, it happens here. It happens around the world. It happens in our mission field. I mean, we're family. Families have trouble sometimes, right? Families, I mean, look at your family. Sometimes there's issues in families. Sometimes there's challenges. Sometimes there's hardships. We're a family. And these things are going to happen. And they're not happy. They're not fun. They're not pleasant. But at some point, we do have to come to the point and say, you know what? Um, yeah, suffering for the gospel we didn't expect it to come from the household of faith. But if the end result is that people are saved and in eternity with Christ and somehow through that have grown in their faith, then we have to step up with the Apostle Paul and say, you know what? We'll leave that in God's hands and I'm going to rejoice in eternity. Amen? That's kind of hard to say, isn't it? I, I, that was kind of a weak amen. I understand it. <laughs> because, you know, I, in my ministry, I, I, I run into this all the time. All the time. I mean, it's, it's sometimes the, the suffering comes from within the family. And that, that's not fun. You don't, that's the least place you expect it. But I just want you to take some encouragement today. That if, if this happens, and it will happen, it will happen. It's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen because we are people, we are humans, we have our faults. But let's just always remember, it's the message is where the power is, not the messenger, ultimately. And this is a remarkable thing. I just find this so remarkable that, that Paul could actually say this. It's okay. Philippians, don't worry about me. In fact, I want you to know I'm rejoicing because even in chains, even in persecution, even in persecution from within the household of faith, the message continues to grow and people are coming to Christ. Look how he ends this. He ends this and we'll, in the middle of a verse that we've stopped here. Verse 18b. Yes. You notice this is a new paragraph in, in the NIV. I will continue to rejoice. You know, some of you are reading through the Bible right now, and um, you're probably maybe in Joshua about now, right? So you've made it through the books of Moses. And maybe it occurred to you while you're reading through the books of Moses, man, some of this stuff's really messy, <laughs> Right? I mean, we call these Old Testament saints. These are heroes of the faith. These are fathers and mothers of the faith. Abraham passes off his wife as his sister. Not only once, but we, if you read it carefully, you'll see this was, his, this was his custom. 
He told her, wherever we go, you tell them, you lie and tell them, no, I'm not, I'm your sister. Why? So you can go into the Pharaoh's harem and then he won't kill me. Really, Abraham? And we have two cases where, where it happened, right? And they, they didn't touch her, but they could have, except God took care of it. You've got Jacob and his mother. Jacob and his mother, Rebecca, who lie to Isaac. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They lie to him and, 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 and steal his blessing. They lie to him. And, and Jacob goes and, and ends up being lied to and being tricked into marrying his, 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 his wife's sister. And has to work 14 years. And then he has two handmaidens who, are, who he's not married to. And just like Abraham with, with, I mean, they have these handmaidens, they have children. And the 12 tribes, the 12 fathers of the household of Israel come from this family of, of the wife he was tricked into, his wife, and then the handmaidens. And then you've got Judah, right? Father of the tribe that eventually produces the Messiah, who marries a Canaanite. And then, I hate to have to say this, you know, publicly, but he's in the Bible. He goes to see a prostitute and then gets, finds, it finds out later it's his daughter-in-law, Tamar. He thought it was okay because it was just any old prostitute, but it happened to be his daughter-in-law, Tamar, right? I'm not making this up. <laughs> They are the lineage of Christ. David and Solomon, hundreds and then thousands of wives. But somehow in this mess of people and relationships in the Old Testament, somehow it turns out God is at work the whole time. And when Christ is born, we are told by the Apostle Paul that the Lord Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law at exactly the right time. The whole thing was in God's hands. Even Judah and Tamar, the lineage of Christ. And I, and I guess the place where, it, where it, 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 you know, we really get an insight into it is Joseph. Talk about another mess. The fathers of the household of Israel sell their brother into slavery because they're jealous of him. And you know the whole story of Joseph and how it ends up. And his brothers finally come down and, and he reveals himself as, as the second man in charge of the most powerful nation on earth, Egypt. And they are trembling when they come, as, when they come before him again toward the end. And, and, and what does is, what is Joseph, what does he say? Listen. You meant it for bad, but God meant it for what? Good. So I just want you to take encouragement today, friends. This is, to me, this is encouragement. That life can be messy. Life can be challenging. But when all is said and done, it's in this epistle, chapter 2, and we'll come to this later, Verses 12 and 13, where Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, this, this, is, this is essential 
to the truth of God. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. How can the Bible say all things work together for good? Because it's God's good. He is at work. And the Apostle Paul came to this point in his life where he understood this. This wasn't fun. You don't expect this from from brothers in the Lord. But Paul says, you know what? I'm going to leave it in God's hands because the gospel's being preached. People are coming to Christ. Because I'm chained to a Roman guard, people in Caesar's household are coming to faith. Philippians, I just want you to know, I'm okay. I want to come and see you. But God is at work. And I just want to encourage you today, friends, whatever God has for you, whatever He has had for you, whatever He has today, and whatever we have going forward, God's at work. God's at work. I can't explain it. But God is accomplishing His will. His will is best. And God asks us to walk this life and this path. And I think if we could come to the point in our lives of maturity, the Apostle Paul, and say, you know what? What matters more than anything else is not me. It's God's work. That's what really matters. And what a blessing. And I think we all should ask God, why did you let me be part of your work? Why did you call us? Why did you call me? Why my family? Why? What a privilege. What a blessing to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close our service. This is a great song. This is a great song. We're going to close the service. They're all great, but this, this is a great song. The message is so beautiful. The Lord Jesus Christ says, listen, why do you worry about your life? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor store in barns. Let God takes care. Not one falls to the ground. Come on, it's springtime. You hear the birds. Not one falls to the ground that your Heavenly Father does not know about. Would you please stand with us? I can't help but sing that. Remember as a kid, uh, the old Magnavox console stereo about this big, right? And the sliding door and the arm that damaged your records every time it went down. And my mom saying, put on my Haley Jackson. And that song would come up, his eyes on a sparrow. My mom would just close her eyes and just let that song permeate her life. His eyes on the sparrow. I was so dumb as a kid. I had no idea what it was like for her. You know, she married a non-believer. My, my father died when she was in her early 40s. Left her four kids. He was a good worker, provided for his family. But when, when he died, there was, there was nothing there. And there was, there was nothing. Somehow God took care of it. I had no idea. Everything, you know, I had no idea what she was going through, what it was like to work eight, ten hours a day on her feet. And, you know, um, but when I was a kid, even earlier than that, when this church started, it was a hard time. A bunch of people set out because of some difficulties Stepped out in faith to start a new church with nothing. With nothing. And, but faith that this is what God wanted them to do. And 
God blessed it. He blessed us. He blessed where we left. I mean, why did my mom come here? You know why? You know why my mom came instead of staying at the neighborhood church? It really was, wasn't really the doctrine and so on at that point in her life. It's because Bruce Kemper was the youth pastor. <laughs> and he was my sister's youth pastor. And she just had a sense of knowing these, these kids need to be where they care about their kids. And we came here. His eye is on the sparrow. And we look back over our lives and we see all the different ways we could have gone and things that could have happened and things that do happen. And friends, isn't it good to know? And I know he watches me and you. God knows how to take care of what belongs to him. Let's leave this place rejoicing in the confidence that no matter what, God is at work both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen? Amen. Amen.